It's Tom Bilyeu here. And if you are addicted to the relentless pursuit of greatness, then I've got something special for you guys. The Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity. It's your daily fix of motivation, inspiration, and wisdom featuring the best speeches and speakers on the planet. We cover it all. Life, business, relationships, discipline, purpose, mental health, sports, studying, focus, you name it. With exclusive speeches from heavy hitters like Coach Payne, Billy Allsbrooks, Marcus Taylor, Dr. Jessica Houston, Walter Bond, and more. If you're ready to take control, level up, or just crush your day, then Motivation Daily Podcast is your secret weapon. Search for the Motivation Daily Podcast and follow wherever you listen to amazing podcasts. What's up, guys? I am super excited for today's episode with a man who's focused his entire life around finding greatness, Lewis Howes. From his record-breaking career as a professional athlete to his second life as a successful CEO and the best-selling author of The Greatness Mindset, Lewis applies the principles of high performance to everything he does. We talk about the secret that allowed him to double the size of his business, be healthier and live happier, all while actually doing less. We also dive into what it takes to stop suffering from powerless self-identity and develop the resilient outlook that you need to change your life. If building a greatness mindset is part of your plan to succeed, you have tuned into the right episode. I hope you guys enjoy listening to Lewis as much as I enjoyed talking to him. If you do, please leave us a review. It really is the best way to support the podcast so that we can help other people like you reach their potential and truly become legendary. I'm Tom Bilyeu, and welcome to Impact Theory. I've heard a really interesting take on what hell is. And hell, as the story goes, is when you die, you meet the version of yourself that you could be. Mm. What is your biggest fear in terms of the gap Mm. between who you are and who you hope you become before you die? I think it's uh, lacking the courage to be my authentic self 100% of the time. Really? I think that's what it is. Because for so long, I lived... Not all the times, but in certain times when I felt triggered, attacked, abused, or misunderstood, I would sometimes respond from a lack of courage Mm. in order to please make people like me or not be upset with me, specifically in intimate relationships. And I would abandon myself. I lacked the courage to stand up for what I truly wanted to say, how I wanted to live, the the actions I wanted to take out of fear. And I think if I lived until I died for the rest of my life and I continued to live that way, I, that would be hell because it was hell. I experienced it. It was like suffering inside. It was painful. Physically, I would have a ball of pain in my chest continually off and on throughout my life. Plus, I would feel anxious. It's because I wasn't living in a full 100% courageous mode all the time. How do you think that's going to play out in your life? Do you think that leads to more success? And obviously, I'm asking these questions yeah. in the context of the book yeah. and understanding you've got this formula that people mm-hmm. can follow to really achieve something. So in reading the book and certainly in the way that I live my own life, it's like I'm doing a lot of internal work, but I do want it to manifest in the real world. External, and that's, yeah. yeah, it's a big driver for me. That doesn't necessarily <clears> mean wealth, but it does mean there are things that I want to do that I want to accomplish. And there's a phrase in sailing called velocity made good. And so there's one thing to like make all the changes, 
So call that moving the sail. It's another to move the sail well so that it catches the wind and takes you where you want to go. Yes. And so I'll be proud of myself if I stay focused. You got to move the sail. Like don't get stuck in my ways. But I will be disappointed if I don't catch the wind. If you don't get the results yeah. externally. <clears throat> this is interesting you're talking about this because so in the, two years ago, a little over two years ago, I started healing different parts of my thinking because I think healing starts with thinking and the emotions tied to the thoughts. So I started creating new meaning around thinking and thoughts that were causing me pain and suffering. The hell today as opposed to the hell later. Mm. And as I started to actually step into the courageous thinking and acting in alignment in my actions, in the last two years, I've doubled my business. I have more peace and uh, connection in my intimate relationship than I've ever had in my entire life. I'm healthier. I'm happier. And I feel more expansive, even though I'm doing less. Mm. So it was when I started to do the deeper inner work and heal the thinking tied to the emotions so that my body could be more at peace. That's when the external results expanded. Now, here's another thing. You and I have a mutual friend who, you know, is a, is a massive success who uh, didn't get number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. Right. And there's an expectation around that. Now we kind of all like had a little chuckle about it because he he, he still crushed it. Um, Ridiculous sales, Peter. Yeah, of course. I was talking to him afterwards, and I go, you know, how do I? Of course, it's going to be disappointment when we have an expectation. Mm. There's going to be a letdown. There's going to be a sense, a moment, or moments, or days of frustration, and whatever it might be. But this is literally the first time I've been practicing this. And I'm not, I don't want to set this up that it actually happens this way, but <laughs> this is the first time where when I wrote this book, I finished it and I said, this is the best I could do right now. I'm really proud of the effort, the results that mm. I've created for this piece of art, this work. This is exactly what I wish I could have read 10 years ago when I was stressed, five years ago when I was 16, when I was 21 through breakups. This is the book that I wish I had that would make it clear for me on what steps to take. So I'm proud of what I created there. I have specific goals of the sales I want to get, numbers I want to hit, press, all these different things. And I am, I'm releasing into the world whatever happens. Like all I know is I can show up and do my best every day from the moment I finish this with my promotional efforts, with my energy, with my communities to get the message out there. And if it doesn't hit number one, I'm okay. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to say this before. I would, I would not have been able to say this. And it doesn't mean I don't want that. Again, I hope that the universe doesn't teach me another lesson. I'm like, okay, you're not going to get any list. Right. Um, but I feel like I would be at, I'm, I'm at so much better peace with who I am, knowing that I gave my best effort and I'm showing up, working my butt off, that I'm releasing the results in the universe. Mm. And I kind of did that in the last couple of years in my business and my business has doubled. Why do you think that is? Because I created more peace within me. I created peace within me and I stopped wasting my energy on things that I can't control. And I stopped wasting energy on trying to people please everyone. I was, I think I got really, I, I channeled my inner Tom and I just said no to everything that did not support me or serve me. I said no to meetings. I said no to people that just didn't make sense right now. Not because I didn't like them or something, but it just wasn't in alignment with my mission at the time. And I said yes to me. And I said yes to spending more time with me and less people as opposed to saying yes to everything and being as distracted. 
And by doing that, the energy really built with the business that I have, with the media that I have, with all the, all the things we're creating, and the revenue doubled. And I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm more in my flow. I'm more in my sweet spot. I'm more in alignment with who I am and who I want to become. And I feel like that's been a big thing. But I don't believe I would have been able to get there if I didn't heal the way of thinking and, and really heal the stress inside of me that was causing me to have less energy. Mm. So once I started to do that, I felt like I had this expansive energy, abundance, clarity, peace, freedom internally, which allowed me to create externally in a different way. And again, I'm not at the level of you know so many people like yourself in terms of business results and success. But for me to see it double, which I've never doubled before, except for maybe the first two years, like 10 years ago, to see it double because I went inward, because I focused on being 100% courageous and using my voice, when in the past I might have shied back when someone would ask me, specifically in intimacy, I might have been like, I don't know if I'm going to tell the whole truth because I don't want anything to get said at me. I don't want to be mad at me. There's this fear of judgment of like someone not liking me or loving me caused me to hold back. And when I went all in on myself and not abandoning myself, that's when everything expanded. There's a couple of really interesting concepts in there. <laughs> One, the idea of abandoning oneself, which we'll come back to. Mm -hmm. But I really want people to understand that the... There's a reason that this ends up becoming a result that you can achieve. And if I could get people to understand that as you change your mindset, it isn't a woo-woo thing. Right. It's like this is really going to, um, you will, to use your example, you will end up spending your time on things that are actually going to yield the results that you yes. want. And so you talk about this in the book. It's like you need to have clarity. You need to know what you're going for. Now, if you know what you're going for and you're making decisions that don't move you towards that, then the question becomes why? And so if you're trying to people please, now you have a, a bifurcated path of goals. This was the biggest breakthrough in my life. There are a few things in my life where it's like, this is a demarcation point, And my life looks fundamentally different after this moment than before. And it was when I realized I, I was worshiping two different masters. Mm. What were those masters? So one was what I really believed was my driving goal, which is to be successful. And then the unknown goal that I had, but was actually driving a significant amount of my behavior, was I wanted other people to think I was smart. And so I'm, I'm arguing with the guys that end up becoming my partners, but at the time, they're just my employers. And I'm like, I need to, to have them agree that my idea is the right idea so that they'll realize that I'm smart. And so Why did I'm, you need that, though? Why, why did I need them to think I'm smart? Yeah. Oh, insecurity. Right. So I was unfortunately doing what so many of us do, and I was outsourcing my, um, my esteem to other people. Mm -hmm. Now, this gets, it's very nested, and I'll try to make sure that we come back up to, to the core idea, but we are both the shout and the echo. And one of the reasons that I have a hard time speaking in bumper stickers is that there really is nuance. So yes. you can tell people, don't worry about what other people think, but right. it won't work right. because we're a social creature yes. and you are both the things that you do and how you feel about yourself, but what you do and how it echoes in the world will influence you. Just It is the way the human mind is wired. So there are all these real consequences to the things that you do. So going back to I'm, I'm fighting myself, yes. not even realizing I'm fighting myself. I have a known goal, be successful. An unknown goal, make sure other people think you're smart. 
And so I'm in this moment where I'm arguing for this idea subconsciously because it's going to make me feel good if I can win because I'll think, well, if I convince them, then they'll realize that I'm really smart. So anyway, but inside my mind, I've got this voice screaming, this is the wrong idea. And this will move you backwards. Your idea. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So in the moment. But you're fighting the other thing. Yes. And so when they finally acquiesce and they're like, okay, we'll do it that way and, and see what happens. They leave the room and I'm like, what have I done? Like, do I want to be successful or not? Mm. And so then I finally, okay, pull these both into my conscious mind, figure out what I was really doing, realize that I had these two competing goals. And so to your point, heal the thinking first, because if you have a wound or whatever that's making you think less of yourself or yes. think that you need other people yes. to think that you're smart, that's it. it has an impact in your ability to achieve your goals. And so- It I've, drives you. It also can drive you. That wound can drive you. And needing to be find drive because I think it's really important. It can get you to take extreme action to accomplish external results. So it can be the drive to look good, to win, and to be right, and to be needed or to be smart. But at what cost is that drive serving you, and what price are you paying? So maybe okay, we're successful, but my idea was actually the wrong idea, which hurt me. Which made me, you know, which hurt my relationship to my partners because I was fighting them so much against this, as opposed to seeing the best idea and saying the best idea wins. And that helps me being successful and shifting that mentality. So for me, I was driven to succeed because I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to accept me and to fit in and belong because I felt like I had no friends. And so that, that wound drove me to take extreme action in sports and then in business to belong, to project an image so that people would like me or want me on their team or be accepted. Mm. And it worked. It drove me to get those results. But it came from a wound, so it never felt like it was fulfilling. It didn't feel like it was enough. And I still never felt good enough, smart enough, talented enough, all these different things mm. to belong. Because I didn't belong to myself. So how can I belong somewhere else? So I was always just kind of like on edge because I still didn't fully accept, acknowledge, and love who I was. And so if there's a wound that I don't accept who I am, it doesn't mean I accept and love myself and I'm complacent. No, I'm always going to be growing towards something, a mission. But if I'm doing it from a wound or a lack of self-love, then the results are not going to give me more love. It might give me more results, but I did that in sports and then in business. I thought at one point, one of these goals I accomplished is going to make me feel like I love myself. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't. It wasn't until I went back to healing the memories that caused me to feel less than, creating new meaning and mending those memories and telling new stories about why that actually needed to happen and the benefits they gave me, and how um, they support me now in my future, and how I didn't like them, and it was painful, and it was challenging, and I don't wish them on anyone, but I can live with a wound where everything triggers me, and I feel like everyone's against me, or I can mend those memories, create new meaning, like Viktor Frankl says, and actually come from a place of love, peace, and clarity of my vision, having a meaningful mission that inspires me, not based on a wound, but because I want to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when everything starts to shift. At least it did for me. When I was able to do that, and it's been a 10-year journey. It's not like it happened overnight. I mended some things, and then it fell back in other ways. I, I took two steps forward and took steps back. 
But I feel like the last couple of years, the pain in my chest and the strangling in my throat that I used to feel because I would abandon myself. I wouldn't act courageously with my thinking and belief. I would act to please. There was still a wound in relationships. Uh, you know, when people would ask me for stuff, I would just say yes, as opposed to being like, oh, I authentically don't want to say yes, but I'm doing it out of a wound mm. to be liked, to not deal with stress. As opposed to just saying, okay, thanks for thinking about me, but it doesn't make sense right now. I hope you're doing well. And since I've been doing that the last couple of years, it's given me a lot more freedom. Again, you've got to deal with other challenges, but at least I now belong to me as opposed to others. Mm. I want to give people a container to put all this in. Uh-huh. And I get asked a lot about how do I get unstuck? I'm stuck. I'm not mm-hmm. making the momentum in my life that I thought I would. Your book, The Greatness Mindset, feels like a manual for getting unstuck. Yes. And the things you're saying now to me are the keys to getting unstuck. So figuring out what are the silent, unsort of known things that are pulling you, that are driving you in the wrong Mm -hmm. direction. Talk to me about this idea of not betraying yourself because I think this is really important going back to if you want to accomplish what you're going to accomplish you're going to need efficiency of action, if nothing else. And so saying no to the things yes. that don't move you towards what you want become problematic. So what does it mean to betray yourself? You betray yourself when you're living in a powerless mindset versus the greatest mindset. So first is to identify which mindset am I living in? And it can be a moment to moment thing. Mm-hmm. And it can be, did I live more in the, the greatest mindset today or this week or this year? Or was I allowing anything from the powerless mindset to hold me back. Now, it's powerless mindset, just the <clears throat> belief that you can't do it, you're not capable, people won't like me. Uh, yeah, here's, here's what, it, what it means to be in the powerless mindset. And one of the things that I love about you, Tom, is, is you're very like clear on not something being right or wrong, good or bad, but is it useful? Mm. I, usually talk, I heard you talk about that one time. Is this useful for me towards my mission, right? Is this useful for me to feel the way I want to feel? So again, this is not making people wrong or judgment or blame or good and bad. Is it useful in your life? And the something I took away from you is using that word useful. But if you are in the powerless mindset state of being, and again, it could be a moment that you could get out of. One, you lack a meaningful mission. You're not clear on the direction you're headed. And it doesn't mean you need to know how to, you're going to change the world or cure cancer and you need to know what you're doing for the rest of your life. But you need to know what you're doing right now for this season. If you have no clue what you want to do, at least being clear, I'm in a season of discovery. Okay, cool. Then that's your mission. So just being clear of where you're headed. I'm in a season of trying a bunch of stuff. I'm in a season of not trying anything. At least you know what you're doing and you can get there. So if you lack a meaningful mission, for me, I just think the more clear you can get, the easier it is to get there. So in one sentence, what is that mission for you of this season of life? And we all have seasons and it can change over time. But lacking a meaningful mission, you're going to feel more powerless. You're going to feel stuck. If you're controlled by fear and if you're crippled by self-doubt, you have those things have power over you. So you're more powerless. If you conceal past pains, this is a thing I think there's 20,000 books on success and mindset. I don't see a lot of people talking about concealing past pains. And I'm not saying you need to be someone who opens up to the world about the things you've been through. I've done that as an example to try to inspire the men just to do that in their lives. I don't think you need to do that. 
But if you're with your, why do you think it works? Why do you think it works? What? Yeah. Can to stop concealing your past pain. Well, when we conceal our pain, um, that means we're ashamed of something. We're hiding something. We're afraid that if someone knew this about me, they wouldn't like me, accept me, or love me. And that's one of our biggest fears. Well, is it just a weak foundation to build on? Um, like if someone knew the shame or pain about me, you mean? Yeah, I'm just curious why. So if somebody's trying to hide that. And I'm not saying you need to do this. With, you don't have to open up to everyone. Hmm. But is there shame or pain inside of you? Why? To protect ourselves. You know, for me, I didn't talk about being sexual abused for 25 years because I thought no guy would ever hang out with me. I wouldn't have friends. I wouldn't be on a sports team. No one would buy a product from me. Mm. I thought my life would be over. No girl would be with me if they knew this about me. It was so much shame and insecurity tied to it. And that caused me to be triggered, defensive, projecting, and, and working from a wound as opposed to freedom. And so when I got to the space of being able to talk about a lot of my shames and a lot of my pains, and it was a process, it wasn't like all overnight, to my closest friends and family, I felt, wow, they actually set me, even knowing the darkest parts of me. Okay, now I can really be myself. I can really be authentic in the world. But if I can't share something I'm afraid of, then that thing has some type of power over me. That thing is holding me back. It's shrinking me. Because I'm afraid to speak it into existence of what happened. This to me feels, it goes back to this idea is, is it useful or not? So I think people, and look, I do battle with my own mind as much as anybody else, but it really is inefficient. Yeah. And I came up with a rule in my life a long time ago where I would do something wrong and I would feel like I needed to punish myself for it. And was and that useful? No, and that was the thing. And so I made the rule that I will no longer do or believe anything that doesn't move me towards my goal. Right. And the reason that I said that, and it's not me trying to abandon truth or anything, and I can actually define truth in a way that I think people would find useful. Uh, I was doing it because as I, I didn't think that I could trust myself to come up with something um, that made sense even though I was pursuing truth. So for instance, I would feel like you deserve to be punished for this. Mm -hmm. And so you ought to punish yourself. And so I would, and it would take all this time and I would feel bad for days. And then I was just like, why ought I do this? <laughs> like, I don't quite understand. Yeah. This is a me versus me thing. Yeah. And I get like saying, hey, I shouldn't do that anymore because it's not, I don't like the way it makes me feel. It's hurting somebody else. Cool, then stop doing it. But this like days or weeks or endless punishment mm -hmm isn't taking me anywhere. So why am no, I doing this? Exactly. And so, okay, cool. Kick yourself in the ass as much as you need to to make sure you don't do it again, but no more. Yeah, and I think there's there's a distinction here. It's like, okay, if I com commit to doing something seven days a week and I, I don't do it for three days in a row, being, I'm not hurting someone else necessarily if I say I'm going to work out every morning and I miss my workouts. Mm. But beating myself up for not doing it is not going to help me either. Especially if it makes me <clears throat> miss my next workout. Exactly. And, I was and it makes you like eat more cookies time. and candy right. and be like, ah, I'm a horrible human or whatever it is. That doesn't serve you. But when I'm talking about the, the past pain stuff is like the stuff that happened in your past, you don't want people to know about you. If you conceal those things, not the things where you beat yourself up Although you could say that too if that's something you're ashamed of. I'm just trying to figure out if it fits into the same thing. It seems mm -hmm. to me the reason that that is problematic is that it creates emotional suffering in you. Yes. And it puts your mind on busy work. Like your mind's just yes. fucking spinning on the saying, oh exactly. God, do I go into this business meeting? If they find out like, so you've got this exactly. some 
amount of your cognitive energy is going to something that doesn't make sense. Wasted. It's not serving you. So again, it's it's holding power over you. Mm. Uh, and then defined by the opinions of others, the powerless mindset. Again, we need to be in relationship with people. So we need to make sure that we have people in our lives in order to get things done. But when we are defined by every opinion of other people, we are more powerless. Uh, and then drift towards complacency. Again, this is not about, for me, it's not about, okay, I love and accept myself and I'm gonna do nothing with my life. It's about being very clear on what you want. So if you are in any of those uh, areas and you can just reflect, am I in a state where I'm doing any of these things or these things cause me resistance? If so, then there are certain things to overcome. Those certain things have power over you. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna be effective or get results or be a good person. It just might be holding you back from your energy. Mm. So the goal is to get clear on the awareness of that first and move towards the greatness mindset, which is to be driven by a meaningful mission. And there's a difference between success and greatness. For 30 years of my life, I wanted to be successful. And I accomplished, for me, what was successful in sports and business. And I was still unhappy. I was unhappy, I was miserable. I would actually beat myself up all the time, call myself horrible things all the time, right after I would accomplish the big goals that I had. I'd be angrier after I would accomplish them. But I was thinking my whole life, well, when I'm successful, I'll be happy, but I still wasn't happy. Well, let me go for the bigger goal in sports. Let me be a pro athlete. Let me be in a USA Olympic handball team. Now let me go for business. Now let me do New York Times. Let me do all these things. But why am I still not why am I still beating myself up? Why am I still unhappy and unfulfilled? Why do I still ruminate at night? Why do I still stress out about little things? When someone cuts me off, I get triggered and scream at people, why? What was the answer? I was wounded. And there, when there's a wound that's open, if you poke it, it's gonna hurt you and you're gonna react. Ah, you're gonna, whatever comes, whatever's inside of you is gonna come out. So there is anger, resentment, fear, insecurity, self-doubt inside of me. So when you squeeze a human being, what comes out is the emotions inside. If I had peace and love and harmony, what would come out is, oh, okay, I can handle this situation because that's what I have inside of me. So I had to learn all these things the hard way many times. It takes me a lot longer to learn things than you, Tom. And so I driven by- <laughs> like that's not true. I feel like the slowest learner on the <laughs> But the greatest mindset is someone who's driven by a meaningful mission. And I, and I, if you can get clear in one sentence what that is for this season of life, that can be in the next three months, I don't care. Whatever season you're in, just get clear on what direction you're going. That is the greatness mindset. You turn fears into confidence. For a long time in my life, in my 20s, I would create these fear lists. All the things I was afraid of and insecure about. All the things that held me back that I resisted. And I just said, I'm not going to be an effective or useful human being if I don't master these these fears. So I started knocking them off one by one, one by one. All the things that held me back and started going all in on them. Public speaking, I could not speak in front of five people without being terrified, mm. crippled, sweating, humiliated, beating myself up because everyone was more intelligent around me. So I said, this is the first one, I'm going all in. I found a coach and a guide that helped me every single week for a year overcome the fear. But I took extreme action. I went to Toastmasters every week. I would study and practice my speeches on my own. I would work with a coach to watch my game film of me speaking. And I would reflect and act and change and adapt to improve and overcome the fear of public speaking. I did this in many different things. But if you have a list of fears and you're not actively working on overcoming them, then you're living more in the powerless mindset. You're gonna, those things will continue to consume you in different areas of your life. 
So if you want to be more effective, you got to turn fears into confidence. You overcome the self-doubt. You know, I believe self-doubt is the killer of all dreams. When we doubt ourselves, it holds us back in some way. The fear of failure, success, and judgment is the three causes that, that cause us to doubt ourselves, the three things. How do you get to the other side of that? Is it just what you did at Toastmasters, just do it, do it, do it? Well, this is the, the whole process of the book is, is, is going through the process of how to do it. But the first one is getting clear on your meaningful mission and figuring and identifying which mindset are you in currently. And so for me, I was never afraid of success or failure. I wanted to succeed. And as an athlete, the coaches would teach us that you must fail to learn how mm-hmm. to be successful. And I would also knew that, uh, you know, Michael Jordan missed 50% of his shots and the greatest Hall of Fame baseball players failed 70% of the time and they're in the Hall of Fame. So they were successful failing most of the time. And so I knew that failure was just a part of the process. But a lot of people, when you ask them if they're afraid of failure and it's why they haven't launched their book or done their show or put themselves out there in whatever they want to do, it's because they're afraid of failure. The second fear is success. I was never afraid of success because I wanted success, but I wanted it from a wound to fit in, to belong, to be liked, to be loved. And so when you get something from a space of a wound, it's still never going to be enough. Do you think there's ever going to be a time, though, where you don't have self-doubt? I think there's going to be a time where I say, um, I'm in, I think there's going to be lots of times where I say, here's a new thing I've never done. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Why is that not stressful for you where that's, those same exact words are devastating for some other people? It's not stressful for me because I just know the context. I'm getting into something and I'm not going to be good at it mm. right away. Do you still have a negative voice in your head though? That's like, <clears throat> the only thing you suck. The, uh, yes, sometimes. And so again, it's not like I have this perfect mindset all the time. I'm I think it's to, more interesting if you fight with it and have tools to deal with it than yeah. that, oh no, three years ago I <laughs> hung it up on the shelf and I never have to deal with it. No, and I think this is going to happen in every stage and season of life. Mm. As we shift our identity, as we sell a company, as you get into a relationship, if you become a father, if you do all these things, there's going to be new things. I'm letting go of an old identity and stepping into a new, or part of it is new, right? Maybe there's some of the old, but I'm stepping into something new. Uh, one of my fears right now is speaking Spanish. Like I'm learning, I'm practicing, but I still get very like uncomfortable in settings trying to speak it because my old fear of, man, you sound like an idiot, is just coming to the surface. Like, man, you just sound like a child right now around all these adults who are fluent Spanish speakers. Mm. But I know that I'm a beginner. And so if I beat myself up trying to be an expert, when I know things, it takes me a little longer to learn certain things. So I have compassion for myself and I just say, it's okay. You know, let go of the result of needing to be perfect right now. Just put in the best effort. Just kind of like with this book. It's like, I gave it my best in this, in this moment, in this season. And I'm okay with that. And that doesn't mean I'm not trying to improve and get better, but I can be okay with the effort that I'm putting in right now. And I can understand that I'm around a bunch of Spanish speaking people that are, have been fluent their whole lives. And so I can't expect to be in two years perfectly mm. fluent. So it's, it's just learning to navigate and manage that and accept being uncomfortable constantly, which is not fun. One thing I want to acknowledge for people is that there really are consequences. Like you probably really do sound stupid and there probably really are people judging you for it. 100%. Yeah. And so my thing is the part of what people have to get comfortable with is 
It really is having the negative effect that you're yes. af- you're afraid it's having. Can you deal with that? 100%. And once people can go, oh, I see, there really will still be consequences. I really will still have a negative voice in my head. And I still have to anchor around, yes, but the whole point of a greatness mindset is there's this meaningful mission that you're going after. You need to fight through that. You need to stay on task and on focus. I, I have this feeling that a lot of people think Oh, Lewis finally doesn't have a negative voice. Lewis no. doesn't have to deal with this anymore. And so I just need to get to Lewis's position. And they don't realize, no, what you're doing is putting together tools that allow you, instead of wallowing in insecurity for yes. three days, weeks, years, or that that insecurity stops you from speaking in front of people, you have the same discomfort. You yes. do it anyway. People do think less of you in the moment, but you keep going. And so then on a long enough timeline, people are like, God damn, how, what? Why was Lewis able to do that? And I can't. And when I when I am defined by the opinions of others, because they will have. When I was salsa dancing three times a week as a, a tall, white, gringo guy in a Latin world with Spanish music, Spanish language, all Latinos. And I'm the only white guy a foot taller than everyone standing out like a sore thumb in the middle of the dance floor. I was being laughed at. I was being made fun of. Um, it was humiliating to step on girls' feet. It was uncomfortable, and I was sweating crazy when I would go out there for the first few months because I was so worried about how I looked. I was so defined by other people. But that's the reason why I didn't go dancing for the first three months because I was defined by the people. When I finally took the step on the dance floor after three months of going and watching, not like a weird creep, but almost like a creep on the sidelines, just kind of watching and being mesmerized by like the music and the passion, and the experience. And I took a step out on the dance floor after three months. That's when I started to overcome the opinions of others when I went out there. And here's the funny thing. There probably were people like laughing and making fun of me, but I was so in my own world of just like trying to figure out the basic steps that when I eventually looked up after 10 minutes, no one was looking at me. They were all doing their own thing. And so I was like, okay, they're not all staring and pointing at me the entire time. Maybe for part of the time they are, but I have a vision of being able to travel the world to any city and any country in the world, not know the language, but be able to dance the language of salsa and build community and connections and friendships and experiences. And I was led by a meaningful mission. I had this dream in my mind that one day I want to be able to do this. And for 15 years, I've traveled the world and I go sometimes alone by myself when I'm traveling or speaking and I'll find the best salsa clubs and I'll have the night of my life because I can go up to the best female salsa dancer. I can confidently ask her, can we dance? And I can have an amazing five minute experience dancing with someone because I now know the language. By overcoming that fear, by overcoming the self-doubt, by overcoming that opinion of judgment of other people and being uncomfortable, it took a long time, by being uncomfortable consistently and then becoming fluent has given me so much more joy and pleasure and experiences and fun and memories that I wouldn't have had had I let fear and self-doubt cripple me and the opinions of others cripple me. Mm. And so that's why it's so important to have a meaningful mission with Spanish I've been trying to learn Spanish for over 20 years. I took it in high school, college. I tried all these to tutor. Like I've tried it. And it's been the thing that has held me back the most. 
But just because I haven't become fluent in 20 years doesn't mean it's going to stop because I have a mission and a dream that when I have a child, I'm going to be able to speak fluently with my kid. Mm. That my kid, I want my kid to be fluent in Spanish and English. That when I'm able to travel to, to Mexico or any Latin community, that I can speak on their level. No. That I can resonate and connect with hundreds of millions of people who speak a different language. That I can tap into people's hearts and souls and connect emotionally and meet them where they're at. Not expect them to understand some white American who feels like he's privileged speaking his own language. That's just my vision and dream. To be able to one day go to Mexico on my own, not with my girlfriend, walk into a store and have a full conversation with a grandmother who's working the store and ask her about her life in Spanish. For me, that is a mission that inspires me. Now, it's been 20 years of suffering and challenge and, and embarrassment, but I'm getting closer. I can see, I can taste like, hmm, a little bit of taste I can have there. Ooh, I had a little moment with someone for like 20 seconds. Wow, I don't feel like a complete idiot. Okay, let me go a little farther and a little further. And maybe it's going to take me another five years, 10 years. But as long as I'm proud of the effort that I make today of what I can create, just like I did with this book and other projects, I'm proud of the effort today as opposed to beating myself up and blaming myself and calling myself an idiot. I feel proud about who I am of overcoming something that is hard for me. And that gives me more confidence. Has ambition given you more or taken more away from you? Wounded ambition has taken a lot from me. Being ambitious to prove people wrong, to look good, and to succeed, to fit in, has hurt me more than has helped me. I've got a lot of things that I'm proud of on my highlight reel of life. But I wish I didn't get them the way I did. I wish I didn't suffer so much in order to get them, to have them. Because the book, the last book I did about the mask of masculinity, it didn't hit any lists. It didn't, it was a New York Times bestseller. It didn't sell a million copies. It, did, it you know, it's a fraction of what I would have liked it to do. But it continues to impact men and help, <coughs> help men heal. And I have a deeper appreciation for the work even though it didn't hit some huge highlight reel. But that was because I was creating that place from trying to really serve people, no matter what type of list it hit. So ambition from a wound never really felt like the best thing. But ambition from a place of a meaningful mission is what it's all about. Do you consider yourself to still be ambitious? 100%. Certainly so ambitious. What What is the difference either in the texture of how it feels or in the day-to-day -day movements that made one, and I mean, I get it, the, the initial thing you're gonna say is because it was coming from a wound, but like what, what is this feel like as you move into, okay, that isn't such a wound, it's manageable, or maybe it's completely yeah. gone, but I think a lot about ambition in my own life. Yes. My assessment in my life is ambition has given me far more than it's taken, but it has taken. And ambition is a cruel mistress. And while I don't perceive myself as acting out of a wound, yeah. I do see myself as acting in the grips of a biological imperative. Mm -hmm. From the time I was a little kid, I've just been hyper ambitious. Yes. Nothing brings me more joy than, so you've gone through a couple of things I would call compelling futures to use mm -hmm. Tony Robbins language. Yeah. You're so right. You have to have something that excites you. 
And when I think about how much I can endure and how wonderful I've made my life because of the ambition, but there are times where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is crazy. So I'm curious as to, you know, I, knowing you off camera, yeah. you strike me as very ambitious. It's one of the things yeah, that I like so much about you. Yeah. How is ambition done well? Again, there's no right or wrong. It's what's oh, yes, useful. there is. It's what's house. useful. Yes, there is. It's what's healthy and Great. useful. I will say, if it's healthy and useful, it is right. Right, right. If it is unhealthy and useless, it is wrong. Using my language, coming I from those a, words coming, in your mouth. I but. think I've... I, I think I've done, my, I do my best. Again, I'm an imperfect human being, but I do my best to catch myself from judgments or comparison of what is good and bad, right and wrong. And instead say, what makes me feel the most authentic and gives me renewable energy and peace and harmony. So I'm trying to create it from that context. Mm. Can I still be extremely driven and focused on the biology inside of me pulling me to create and drive and build empires and all these things, but doing it from a place of peace and harmony in my efforts. That's what I'm talking about. And for me, can I call bullshit? Sure. Okay. So by doing this, my, my business has doubled. Yo, yes. So I, I have no doubt that you've done results, but what I want to know is when are you, when do you feel the most peace? When I'm the most authentic, because mm-hmm. I'm not lying to myself. Yes. Then I'll have I mean, to ask I'll, you to define I don't feel, peace. I don't feel. I don't feel. I won't feel peace if I'm poor. So I'm not going to feel peace if I'm is broke. Is peace just a lack of internal conflict for you? No, I definitely want to have money in the bank and have like, and, and be progressing in my life. So and those to you fall under the umbrella of peace. If I'm making an impact on my mission and I'm improving my mission, I'm getting closer to my vision. If I feel harmony inside my heart, which means I'm in alignment with my integrity, which means I'm courageous in my actions, which means I'm working on my health, all these mm-hmm. different things, uh, and I feel peaceful. Now I have a big mission. I have a big ambition to serve 100 million lives weekly. That's my mission. It's interesting. You and I really experience life differently. Uh, it may be that we use different words. That's entirely possible. Or it may be that you've discovered something that I have not yet discovered and I can open you up and you can change my life right now. But here is... My mission is to serve 100 million lives weekly. That's not a small mission. No, it's huge. And I have... It doesn't mean I don't want to make money. I I want to make money. That's not where I I see the... the, Where you and I approach this differently. So here here is... as you describe the things you want to do, they're so similar to what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So for now, we'll just sort of round it to you and I roughly, it manifests differently, but we have roughly the same thing. We want to help a whole yes. lot of people. Yes. Impact people. Constantly. Yeah. Um, that brings me my highest highs and my lowest lows. Mm. It does not bring me peace. I don't, Why not? again, these are just my words. Why doesn't it bring you peace? So, well, let me define peace. So peace to me is emotional equanimity meaning I'm just, I'm at ease. Meditation brings me peace. Mm. Um, when Lisa and I have just had sex and I'm laying with her, that's peaceful. peaceful yeah. It's fucking awesome. The, the, my mind is quiet. Yes. The world is still. My ambition is dampened. Uh-huh. It's, there's, there's no sense of I'm trying to accomplish. Mm. There is only like, I'm here in this moment. Now, I really looked at, there were two paths before me. Path number one was Buddhist detachment, 
I could live a life like a monk. I could remove, because I actually agree. I think the Buddhists are right. All suffering arises from attachment. desire yeah. and attachment. You want something, you're pursuing Expecting something. something to yep. happen, wanting it. Yeah. And all of your, all of your non sort of broken bone suffering is, yes. gonna, and even yes. that, like not to derail, in your yes. brain, pain and suffering are actually in different places. Mm-hmm. So all of your suffering comes from an expectation. I don't want this broken arm to right. hurt. That's suffering. It may still hurt, but you don't have to not suffer. Not accepting it. And so when I think about peace, mm-hmm. I would be far more peaceful. So if I had sold Quest, uh-huh. just a ridiculous amount of money, I never need to work again. Ever, ever, ever. I work more and harder now than I ever have in my life. So I, I am often asking myself, ooh, what are you optimizing for? So I had these two paths, yes. monastic detachment, the end of suffering that comes from that, or massive engagement, massive impact. And I knowingly chose to get, go down the massive impact path, but it has not brought me peace and isolation. There are times for sure. Well, I don't think Harmony, isolation is I like that word. Harmony. Okay. I don't but think isolation peace. is peace. Well, here's the thing. For me, the most suffering would come from knowing my, that I have so much potential and I'm complacent. Yes. Hell, that would be the most meeting the suffering. person you could have been. That's fucking interesting. Having so, knowing that I have something to offer to other people, yep. to the world in some way. It doesn't have to be grandiose, but whatever way it is, knowing that I have something to offer and I'm just taking it easy and chilling all the time, for me that would be the ultimate suffering. Could you ever see yourself pursuing a life that wasn't grandiose? I feel like grandiose could look different for people. But I, I could see myself. Let's define it. I'm not going to let you squirm out of this. Define <laughs> grandiose. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
It's Tom Bilyeu here. And if you are addicted to the relentless pursuit of greatness, then I've got something special for you guys. The Motivation Daily Podcast by Motiversity. It's your daily fix of motivation, inspiration, and wisdom featuring the best speeches and speakers on the planet. We cover it all. Life, business, relationships, discipline, purpose, mental health, sports, studying, focus, you name it. With exclusive speeches from heavy hitters like Coach Payne, Billy Allsbrooks, Marcus Taylor, Dr. Jessica Houston, Walter Bond, and more. If you're ready to take control, level up, or just crush your day, then Motivation Daily Podcast is your secret weapon. Search for the Motivation Daily Podcast and follow wherever you listen to amazing podcasts. Well, my thinking of what I'm hearing you say grandiose is pursuing something great and making a big impact on the world in a big way. That's I'll what focus I'm focusing on the word big. Yes. A big grandiose impact to me is, and a is big impact on the world. Scaled. Yes. It's like not, Hey, I helped that one guy. That is yeah, not grandiose no, to me. No. It might be beautiful, but I it think, isn't grandiose. I think it would have to be a long time away where I'd be like, okay, I did it multiple times or I did it once or I did it for however long. And I made the impact that I feel like I was supposed to be make. And now I'm just going to transition the impact in a different way, a different season. So it'd be like doing this for, I don't know, however many decades and then be like, all right, I've reached my meaningful mission. Now it's time to reevaluate what is the new mission of this season of life. Maybe it's a different type of impact. I don't know. Maybe I just want to hang out with my grandkids for two hours a day and then mentor, you know, world leaders. And it's like impacting the impactors. But even there, motherfucker, you're back to world leaders. You're not like, it's interesting. It's whatever the potential is that I feel like is inside of me, wanting to make sure that I'm maximizing that potential. That doesn't need to be, I have to be the one doing everything. It could be, I'm going to get wiser and I'm going to impact 10 people who are doing everything. You know, it's a different transition of impact and service. Yes, I'm playing with this idea, so please don't think I'm to trying me. to Give put to wisdom me. across, but... I think it's very interesting. I think that many, many, certainly men want to play big. 100%. And yeah. I want, I want to play big. I do. do. But I can still be peaceful in my oh, heart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm not trying to bonus. meld yeah, these yeah, yeah. two things. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, it's int- I think you're trying to play big, which I'm very inspired I, by. I want to play big my whole I life. I certainly agreed. Yes. And but it doesn't mean I have to stress my whole life. Agreed. So now help me. Yes. I have not found the path where I can go as big, hard, and fast as I want to go and not, not constantly sort of, cause I, I have developed tactics for, ooh, this stress isn't fun anymore. <laughs> and now I know how to pull myself yeah. back, right? But and you, I, and I'm not yeah. doing less. That's not what I'm doing. I'm adjusting my mind. I'm yes. thinking different things. Heal your thoughts first, yes. right? So it all comes back from that. But I'm very curious. Are you striving to never sort of pass out of that? So that meaning where you go from this is manageable, this is peaceful, this is harmonic, harmonic, harmonic yeah. to like this shit is not fun anymore. What the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. Or are you getting good at like it's it's it'll hit a peak, but I know how to rapidly pull it back down. Yeah, I think it's the whole analogy of like, I don't know if this is a religious terminology where it's like instead of asking god or the universe for less workload it's asking for a stronger back Fuck, does that turn you on that turns me on it turns you me have on no idea how much but i don't think pray it's about- not for a lighter load pray instead for stronger shoulders god damn i love but that here's statement. the thing 
I think it's, it's all comes down to the emotional and mental shoulders and learning how to navigate our emotions in the world with the scale of people and problems that come our way. So that's when I think of harmony and peace, not of like, I'm not going to be around any problems or stress or isolated. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about how can I be the alpha gorilla in chaos and just walk through and just move things around when I need to, as opposed to be screaming like a monkey all the time, freaking out when there's stress and chaos and fighting. No, I just know I've got broad shoulders and I can see my surroundings and I can be like, okay, you guys need to break up this fight. You need to come over here, little one, and you need to stop doing this and be able to navigate it and not let it trigger me. That's what I feel like it's. It's becoming more of an emotional, aware human as every new season and, and level comes to me. And, and that's why I feel like there will always be some type of uncomfortable feeling or doubt. There'll be a moment of like, okay, I don't know how to speak Spanish. This whole room is speaking Spanish. I don't understand. So, of course, I don't understand. But can I be confident and comfortable not knowing everything and being okay with being the outside person here in this space can i still hold myself confidently and just listen and pay attention can i be okay with not being okay and i think that's the game it's like learning how to do that at different levels i'm sure you learned that when you've had your first 20 employees you probably felt comfortable to a level and then you got to 50 and it's like ah how do i manage this you have to create new systems you have to learn something new about yourself emotionally manage it then 500 employees then a thousand it's like ah i'd be like what do i do how do i manage this Mm. you had to go through that in the uncomfortable phase and now you can manage it you've got broader shoulders emotionally and mentally to face those things and i think that's just it like keep leveling up into the meaningful mission and figuring out whatever fear you have you got to go all in on this stage to support you to not break down with such a big mission so for me i like having a big mission I don't think you need a big mission, but I think you do need a meaningful mission. When I was broke on my sister's couch, I couldn't think beyond making enough money to get my own apartment. That was the mission of life. And I only had the skills at that time, emotionally and mentally, to to do that one thing. I couldn't think beyond it. But once we get to the new level, then we can start to do those things. One of the things that I think about is creating a healthy identity with ourselves. That's part of the greatest mindset. When I used to be self-critical, beating myself up, punishing myself, probably similar to you in some ways, it wasn't a health identity. It wasn't a healthy identity. When we constantly are the ones saying mean things to us. If we had a loudspeaker in the world and everyone heard what we said to us, we'd go to prison or a mental hospital or something. We'd be canceled online for hate speech, whatever it is. Self-aimed hate speech. Self-aimed hate speech. We would be canceled we would be you know, blocked from every platform if, we, if what we thought about ourselves and the nasty identity we have, or if we said this to others, it would be horrible. I read this really interesting story as a kid. It really hit me. There were these animals or aliens that they could um, communicate telepathically. I forget how they did it, but you would meet somebody and as custom went, you would interface with each other and you would know everything they were thinking and they would know everything you were thinking. And because of that, like trust wasn't a problem. Ah. Like as soon as you sunk up with everybody. And I've always thought that if people could hear the internal dialogue of each other, you'd be like, 
Oh, okay. So chasing sort of the perfect mindset is not the game. Or maybe a better way to say that, the a perfect mindset is not one free of a negative in, inner voice. It's one that knows how to handle and minimize the impact of said negative inner I voice. I think so. Because I think there's going to be moments where I'm like, God, I wish I could, I wish I didn't make that mistake. But it's like when I ruminate on it for days and weeks and punish myself, that's not a healthy identity. And so 10 years ago, I had a very unhealthy identity. Again, I projected confidence. I projected success. I projected, ah, I know what I'm doing. And But inside, I was just a scared little boy. I was angry. I was fearful. I felt trapped. I felt insecure. All these things. How did you take control of that? Did you start making a, I created a new identity, identity statement that I you wrote down? A, like... I created a contract with myself, a written and signed contract. Again, there's lots of different ways we can create this. We can do games and exercises and therapy and meditation and psychedelics. There's lots of different things we could unlock us into new identities or into a new way of becoming because it's an art of becoming. Something we have never been before or maybe we've only been momentarily, how do we create a new identity? So I created a contract with myself where I said aloud, as loud as I could, the things that I wanted to step into. So it wasn't the thing I fully was yet. I was angry, I was resentful, I didn't forgive, I held on, I was competitive, I was win-lose, I wasn't win-win, all these things. It was 10 years ago. And I realized that got me certain results, but it also had certain negative side effects to it. It had certain consequences, like you said. And so I created a new contract with my life, and I said, I am a loving, passionate, wise man. Because I felt like I was insignificant. I felt like I was stupid. I feel like I wasn't intelligent. So I said, you know what? I'm wise. And I was authentic to me because smart wouldn't have felt right. It would have been unauthentic because I didn't feel smart. But I actually did feel wise in how I was interpreting the world and how I was navigating human beings and how I would pick things up street smarts. So it's not lying to myself. And I think a lot of people use these false identities that they want to step into but it's using the word that does match with who you want to become and who resonates with most of you right now. So I said, I am a loving, passionate, wise man because I would get angry when people would trigger me. So I said, no, I'm going to be loving. So what does that need to do? I need to get to the root of why I'm angry. Okay. And then I started that process 10 years ago. I started revealing past pains. I started going over my fears. I started healing those past memories, all these different things. I'm passionate. I'm not going to be, um, holding myself back when I feel triggered. I'm actually going to be passionate and excited. And I'm wise, loving, passionate, wise. And this became a contract that I've had with myself for 10 years. Not an affirmation, not a mantra. You could call it that, but a contract signed with yourself. Because you feel like you have to earn it or stay true to it? It's just a different psychological twist to saying, this is who I am becoming and who I will be by stepping in and acting on it on a daily basis. And do you so when I fall it? back into, I haven't changed it. Mm. That doesn't mean I, I may change it in the future. No, I feel like a loving, passionate, wise man. I, I've been practicing and applying that on a daily basis, or mostly daily for the last 10 years. Again, not a perfect human being. Sometimes you fall off track. But whenever I fall off track, I go back, what is my contract? Who am I? I am a loving, passionate, wise man. And that has created a, a new identity for me in a healthy way, as opposed to, I'm a stupid, what an idiot I am. I'm so angry at the world. Ah, I need to beat myself up. 
in your words that I loved, that is not useful and effective towards a meaningful mission that I'm driven by, that only holds me back, that doesn't support me or the people around me. Because now everyone else has got to focus their energy on me and walk on eggshells when I'm angry and frustrated. I'm a loving, passionate, wise man. That's creating a healthy identity. And we got to figure out whatever that is for you, right? Whoever you are listening, watching, think about those thoughts and things that you criticize about yourself. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't give yourself feedback and accountability and responsibility for growth. I love feedback. I give feedback to myself all the time. I was talking to you about this before where I've got multiple coaches in my life that give me hard feedback because I know if I want to hit my meaningful mission, 100 million lives weekly, I've got to keep growing and overcoming stuff. What areas do you have coaches in? Business coach, nutritional coach, fitness coach, emotional coach. Emotional coach therapist or is that something different? She's not a licensed therapist, but she's a, 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 a... a coach to couples and individuals of their emotions. Interesting. Does your business coach, are they like looking through your numbers? and No, just more strategy. Yeah, mostly strategy. But business strategy. Business strategy, yeah. Are they like a BD guy? It's branding, marketing, sales, business, just kind of like strategy in terms of here's what we're doing. Can you you look within the business and and here's some of the stuff we're working on. Why don't you take a look at this? Have you tried this? So we've got coach. Uh, I've got a coach for myself and for my business partner, my mm-hmm. COO, uh, that he gets sharpened in feedback, not from me, but from someone right. else looking outside and saying, oh, you're not being a good leader here. Uh, here's how you could have handled this differently. Giving feedback, sharpening it, sharpening. Um, nutrition, i got someone who sends me my nutrition stuff and keeps me on track based on my health mission mm-hmm. uh, and my fitness as well, my workouts. So, and kind of coaching me on what's working, what's not working, and adjusting the game plan. So for me, I don't think I could do anything great on my own. I just don't. I don't think I'm that good. Um, and I don't think I can do everything at a high level on my own consistently. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, they all had great coaches to get them to their first championship. And when they won the championship, they didn't say, ah, thanks coach, I got it from here. Next year, I'm going to go play this game on my own for the whole year, and I'm going to win my own championship. I don't need you. They actually went and hired more specialists and said, help me, give me feedback on other parts of my game, my training, my nutrition, my sleep. Novak Djokovic, I think he spends like a million dollars a year on coaches and nutritionists and experts to guide him. And I bet he would say it's one of the big reasons why he stays at the top. Not thinking, oh, I've won a couple of these Grand Slams and now I'm, I don't need anyone to help me. I've got it on my own. I just feel like it's really hard to get to the top and stay there with all the pressures of the world without support. Again, it doesn't need to be hiring coaches, but I think having accountability, having a great partner, having great friends, or having a good personal advisory board that you can lean on to support you in these areas of your life. I just think for me, that's wisdom for me because I know I can't do it on my own. So that's the way I look at that. Uh, and then the last thing is takes action with a game plan. That is the greatness mindset. This is something I think you do probably better than anyone in the world. You are so clear on your mission and your game plan of execution. And you take massive, consistent action. Most people, are ta- most people don't take massive action. And then when they do, they're not sure what they're taking it for. Or they're taking action for a wound to try to fill something. And then it's never enough. So when we get clear on the the mission we're on based on a mentality of greatness versus success. And again, success is more selfish. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. It's 
I want to win to, to for me. I want to make more money for me. I want to accomplish this for me. Greatness, my context of it, is accomplishing your success, your goals and dreams, and empowering and lifting others up with you, creating the win-win environment and being service mentality in the process of your success. That, for me, is what all the greats do differently than people that just succeed. Man, that's really fascinating. I Like your, your quest story inspires me. I think when I met you, was eight years ago or something? It's been and, a minute. And you told me, I go, why'd you start Quest? You said something like, I'm paraphrasing, you had a sister or someone in your life who's mom and my mom sister, yeah. sister who's dealing with something. You said, I want to rid the world of this pain, this suffering, this health challenge mm-hmm. that they experienced. I don't want anyone to experience this pain. Yes, you wanted to be successful, but you were trying to do something great and you did do something great because you had a meaningful mission to end this suffering in the world to create health and harmony and peace within people's bodies so that they could live a better life. And that was part of the driving success that made it great. And I think it's really cool. And you have the same type of ambition now is to serve and impact people and get people out of the matrix and give them freedom and give them new possibilities. And again, it's not just about you being successful. It's about you Yes, hitting your goals and your results and the things you want in the service of others. Mm. And that is greatness. It's, I think it's absolutely critical because success is a game of attrition. It's going to be so hard. I haven't figured out how to do it without stress, a lot of stress. <laughs> uh, and because it's so difficult, and I don't think that we should seek comfort. No. Because that you should seek difficulty in service of something that matters. You shouldn't make things hard just to make them hard. But in service of something that matters, you should seek difficulty. But that will leave you asking the question, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a compelling answer, you're really in trouble. Yes. And because we are a biological creature, I think it's hardwired into us what bucket that answer must fit into. And that bucket to me is that I'm not only doing this for myself, I'm doing it for other people. And I think that people really have to find that intersection of, I care about this thing, whether I should or not is irrelevant. I really care about this thing. It's exciting for me, but it also lets me help other people. Yes. If you have that, then you'll have the energy that you need to push forward. And if you don't have that, you will hit a point where you you quit. Yeah. Yeah. People, it's just, it's, Lewis, you'll know this well. It's so overwhelming. And it's such a, it's this weird confluence of, uh, there's real consequence. So if I lose at this, there's meaningful impact. I am both the shout and the echo. So while I may be confident in who I am, this is really going to rock the, the world's perception of who I am. Mm-hmm. So I think about this a lot with um, you and I are both living in the public eye. So I've been on camera now for seven years. You've been 10 plus. Yeah. So you've said a lot of things like I'll take it to relationships for you, right? You've been in and out of relationships. And so we, as your viewers have gotten to watch you grow, Mm -hmm. like from relationship to relationship, it's really been fascinating. And for me, I think about it in terms of, I've told people I'm building the next Disney. If you, uh, struggle in your relationship, it has consequences. People are like, Oh, well, what does he know? They they think whatever they think. Of course. And should I fail to build the next Disney, people are going to be like, oh, what the fuck? Like he said, and he couldn't pull it off. And, you know, what does he know? And so it really is 
So there's all of that at play that mm-hmm. takes a lot of energy to do something. You are going to have that negative voice in your head. You're going to have proof that you aren't as good as you need to be. Yeah. And if you don't hold on to the word yet and stay focused on why mm-hmm. I can get better, it's, it's why I call it the only belief that matters. The only belief that matters is that if you believe, if I put time and energy into getting better at this thing, I actually will get better. That's the ultimate security blanket yes. for me because I no longer need to believe that I am good. I need to believe that I can become good. Becoming good, yeah. And that really matters in terms of if hell really is being confronted with what you could have become if you'd put in the time and energy. Um, it does beg an interesting question of why do we care what we could have become? Mm. And I have my answer. What why is do that? you think we what is care? That? Nice try. If I were on <laughs> you your show, I'd answer first. Since why, you're on why? my show, Lewis House, you're going to answer. Why do you think humans care about that? What's the question again? Why do we care why, about what? Why do humans care about whether they make good on their potential? I don't think everyone cares about that. I think people that have a voice inside of them that is screaming, you're supposed to do something great, cares about that. And, and you think some people escape that? Or maybe they can't hear it. Or maybe they're not listening. Or maybe it's not screaming loud enough. Or maybe it's not the season for them to hear that. And so they're just in a different season. So again, this is not a make wrong, good or bad, you know, conversation. This is, for most of my life, I had a voice inside of me. And I don't know where this voice is coming from. I don't know if that's God or just my own biology or the trillions of, uh, you know, alien cells that are on me right now that are like feeding on my body. Like, I don't know what it is. Something happening where I felt like, keep going, keep going. You're supposed to do something more. Even when I was insecure and doubting and feeling like, why is everyone against me? And why is everyone this? And why am I stupid? And why, all this stuff. Something just said, keep going. Now, I was listening to my ego or I was driven by my ego of fear and insecurity to keep going and succeed to try to make something great. But that didn't work. And so I had a shift over the last decade and really over the last two years more. Um, and it's a constant journey of shifting into harmony and inner peace in the discomfort. So it doesn't mean I'm not going to experience discomfort like you were saying. It's like I still feel stress and discomfort and challenges in business and life and all these things. But I feel harmonious inside of myself most of the time. Even under those stresses, I'm like, I don't like this or it's painful, it's frustrating. But at night I feel harmony and I feel peaceful because I'm showing up the best that I can and I'm being courageous in my words and my actions. And that's where I feel harmony and peace. Now, do I wish things became faster and my results were quicker? Yes. Do I wish it was bigger now? Yes. But it's not. So can I beat myself up? What's that going to do for me? It's not useful, like you said. Why do we care about potential? Maybe it's just because all the conditioning and all the people saying it all the time. Um, But I just feel like I don't know why we're here of this lifetime. I don't know why. But I want to make sure that if that is the big reason why, I want to give it my best. And I don't know if anyone truly knows why we're here. I know why. But when you die, maybe there's a different reason. Maybe there's a different answer. I different questions. I will be flabbergasted if that ends up being true. But if, hey, cool, now I get to know. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> you created your why. 
I have. I think yes. we all get to decide yes. why we're doing what we're doing. 100%. I think we get to associate meaning to everything. Yes. And a woe is the man that does not take the time to associate yes. meaning to what he's doing. But I think it's really interesting. I am maybe surprised by how many people have not come to the same conclusion that I've come to. Mm. But the conclusion I've come to, which seems just self-evident to me, is that what there there is something in the universe that I don't understand that is very clear because I cannot conceive of nothing, nor can I conceive of something from nothing. So there's something I don't get. Something like God or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but even if it is creator, God, God is creation. not anything yeah. I think a human can conceive of. Right. But I think that, quote unquote, God is knowable in the sense that the only thing that really matters to our existence is a set of rules were created and then boom, set yes. into motion. And now everything follows from those rules. So when I think about why we want to transform our potential into actual usable skill set, and I really believe Lewis in the way that people believe in God, they believe if you just understood the truth, your whole life would be better. I really, really believe I want people to be happy and I want them to thrive. And there's one thing, if they fail to understand, they will never be happy. What's they that? will never thrive that you're having a biological experience. Yes. And once you understand, look, if I'm perfectly willing to accept that evolution is how God works through us, like I, to me, it's not a debate about that. It's just, we are a way. Our brain works a certain way. Our and body works a certain way. Yes. Yeah. And once you understand that there are levers being yanked in yeah. your brain and that those are predictable levers, things get a lot easier. And yes. so I think the reason we care about transforming our potential into skill set is that's how we as a species Survive. became the most, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's how we became the most dominant apex predator the world has ever seen is the animal that happened to build those things in. We're what they call an active species. So we don't just sit, we don't stay in neutral. We are constantly trying to do more, be more, push ourselves because that is our strategy. Our strategy is adaptation. It is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. So we are the ones that are like constantly pushed to the edge of our abilities, and then we grow and adapt and we push out. Yeah. If we didn't have that impulse to, to push and to go beyond, in fact, the question I was gonna ask you earlier is, I have a feeling that your ability to handle stress gets bigger, but you don't live in the center anymore. You go to the edge again. Yes. And then you, uh, exactly. you make it, it even better. And yes. you go to the edge and yeah. you push it. And so it's that to me is the human condition. Now we're yeah. all on a scale to your point. We're all very different. And so sure, maybe you and I are way pushed to one side and some other people are in that scale, but uh -huh. I don't think anybody escapes suffering if they don't do it. And I think people that yeah. sit around and do nothing, they have a deep cavity of meaning in their soul. Mm. And because of that, it doesn't feel right. They start right. doing drugs, whatever. They're, they are going to suffer. Mm. There's no one, just like no one makes it out of life alive, no one gets a free lunch. No one That's gets true. to do nothing and not be punished emotionally. Now you can say they're being punished by God, biology, whatever right. you want, but it's not good. Some consequence, you know, as the universe is always expanding and evolving, when we're born, we, we keep expanding and growing and changing constantly, right? That's the cells are changing. We're growing as babies. There's pain and things like that. I used to have knee pain all the time because I grew really fast. Um, and so my knees were always in pain because my bones were just kind of stretching. Uh, there's going to be pain 
whether I do nothing or pain, whether I do something beyond what I'm capable of right now. And my goal is to keep going beyond and, and growing with the pain so that it doesn't feel like it's suffocating me and overwhelming me. So it doesn't feel like my bones are stretching without me wanting them to stretch. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to do the emotional and mental growth. Their bodies are going to constantly change and eventually die. All, but me and you are eventually going to die. And it's going to change. You take that back. Well, maybe we, we Seems can, inevitable right yeah, about yeah, now. Maybe, no one, it's, until now, no, no one is yet beat death. Yeah. So maybe, but as of yet, it's not death possible. Death is undefeated. No death doubt. is undefeated, unfortunately. But, uh, but I just feel like if we... A lot of people aren't willing to do what you do, which is focus on your mindset and your mental growth so diligently. And I think that allows you to expand your external results because you do that. And for me, when we can expand our emotional growth with the mindset, it brings more harmony for me. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have more problems, more stress, more challenges. It just means I'm going to be able to feel harmonious and manage it a little bit differently is my vision and my goal. Because I don't want to feel suffering and pain while I'm also making a massive impact. I know there's going to be challenges and breakdowns and judgments and all these things are going to happen. But can I go to bed at peace at night? For me, that's what I want. Man, if you figure it out, let me know. Because I've, while... I've, been, I've been doing it, man, these last two years. No, no times where you're going to bed stressed or... No, I mean, it's not a perfect every night, but ask Martha and it's like, I go to bed pretty peaceful almost every night. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about what I need to do the next day and oh, I want to create so this. What, and how I'm, do you, do you feel like you just operate within what you're capable of at the moment? Is it that you think you have realistic <sighs> goals? No, because I don't think reaching 100 million lives weekly is realistic. Mm. I think it's kind of stupid. So why don't you suffer when it isn't happening? <sighs> because suffering stems from being attached to it happening right now. Instead of releasing it and knowing that it's either going to happen or not. I'll give an example. I really wanted to be an Olympian. Mm. I wanted to go to the Olympics. It's my whole childhood dream. When I found handball... And I moved to New York City to learn the sport. I moved to a city just to learn how to play the sport with a dream of going to the Olympics. Within nine months, I made the USA national team. And I played in my first Pan American Championships. Now, this is not the Olympics, but this is a big tournament of North and South American national teams, countries from North and South America. And I got a taste of what it would feel like to be an Olympian because I played against two Olympic teams, Brazil and Argentina. And I got a taste and I got to experience it and I got to see it. And I was like, this is what it looks like. The qualities they have, the energy, the coaching, the whole, the movement, that's what it's going to take to get there. I spent eight years on that dream and that never happened. We never qualified. You have to win the, the Pan American Games to go. And they only take one country from North and South America. So it was just really hard for us to win. It's really hard. Now we're probably to go. Uh, in you know six years, we will go when it's uh, hosted in the USA. But I'll be older by then. It probably won't be able to make sense for me to do it then. Mm. Be forty six or forty seven. It's a young man's game. But just because the dream of being Olympian didn't come true for me doesn't mean it wasn't a dream come true. Doesn't mean the eight years of lessons, growth, connections, friends, wearing USA on my chest and singing the national anthem in 
uh, Germany, in Israel, in Brazil, in Argentina, in Mexico, in uh, Uruguay, in Canada, and playing against Olympians, it was a dream come true, even though the dream didn't come true. So I've accepted that I gave it my best. And just because the results didn't happen, the expectations didn't happen that I wanted, I'm at peace knowing that I gave everything I could in my control and influenced everything around me to my abilities to make it happen while running a business, which was extremely hard to do. And I'm at peace knowing I gave my best. And so do I wish I was an Olympian? Yes. But is it useful to hold on for that? Is it effective in my life right now to hold on to that not happening? It's not useful anymore to hold on to that suffering that it didn't happen. It's hurting me if I hold on to that, if I beat myself up. So I just try to say, man, I'm really grateful and I'm appreciative of the lessons and experiences I had. And now I'm on this new mission and I'm trying to get close to it every day. I love it, man. It's amazing. I, I will be honest. I play, I'm not even sure what the right way to characterize it is. I, there are definitely times in my life where I'm very stressed out. Stress is my one vice. For me, it comes from an echo of maybe being too aware of the consequences. I think a lot about my team, my employee, my obligation to them. Um, Let me ask you this question. Yeah, interesting. Not to cut you off. No, please. Let's say you had Disney now. Mm -hmm. Everything in Disney is created times 10. Yeah. Theme parks and everything. Whatever it is you wanted to do times a million Yep. right now. Would you feel harmony and peace? If you had well, the so vision we to, now. We have to separate. I wouldn't feel peace almost certainly. Uh, harmony, I think the way you define it, yes. So harmony, I think I get Would you get feel behind. stressed still? I mean, of it's course, like. Of course, of course, of course. So, what's the, so Lewis, here, here's, um, this is a perfect example. If you read the biography from Bob, Bob Iger. I'm reading that, it right now. It's okay. amazing. I hope I'm not giving away a part coming up. I hope you've already <laughs> you read probably, this part. I haven't read it all of it yet. Uh, he was running everything when a kid got eaten by I an alligator. It's crazy, yeah. And he had to give tours and open Shanghai Bro, and all this. Do you things. know how stressful that would be? Like, 100%. I, I just, I can't imagine. 100%. So while thankfully nobody's kid has gotten eaten by an alligator right. at Impact Theory, it, it isn't always the sort of abstract like, oh, yeah, I just I need know. to let it go. It's like sometimes it's like, hey, this thing didn't happen and it just cost the company $100,000. And I'm like, fuck. So let me, that's really problematic. Let me rephrase stress because I want to make sure that we're on the same context language-wise. There's going to be stresses constantly. Yes. So it's not eliminating stress. But at the end, and Bob Iger had, you know, a horrible time of like having to call the parents when he was in Shanghai and he's exhausted and the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? And the sadness. And I'm, you know, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. I couldn't even imagine the pain you're going through yeah. on my watch, right? As the CEO of this company, him saying, I wasn't even supposed to call them because illegal and I shouldn't have done this. But at the end of the day, I feel like, yes, he had all the responsibility, all the stress and hundreds of thousands of employees and money and all shareholders, everything. It's going to be stressful, but does he live in acceptance and peace of who he is? Is he... Does he love the fact that he took the time to call that person, knowing this is his responsibility? Or did he lack the courage? Did he hold back? Did he speak courageously and openly and generously with that family and then be present with his responsibilities and a million other things? Did he do his best? Mm -hmm. And is he stressed 
because of the stuff he has to handle, that's one thing and that's going to happen. But if he's stressed about who he is as a human, not giving his best, that's another thing. I so are you in agree. harmony that you're giving your best and you're not beating yourself up and you're doing the best you can courageously, even if there's consequences, but you're not abandoning who you are? That's what I'm speaking about. It's not about eliminating all stress and just being peace and everyone's doing their jobs perfectly. Mm. That's never going to happen for any of us. Oh, you could build that life. And I, here's what I can't tell. Not with this much ambition. Well, yes, exactly. And so that becomes my question. So it's not um, about stress. Man, it's not about eliminating all stress and having no stress. It's about are you, do you love and accept who you are and the effort you gave in this day? Yeah, I have a hypothesis that stress is going to be the it, look, I don't live in stress, uh -huh. but I have stressful days. So let me be very clear. I wouldn't do something if I always felt yes. like that. But there are these moments where it punctuates with stress. And I have, every time I go through it, I'm like, should I optimize my life for being stress-free? And every time I'm like, no. 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 Like as much as it's a pain in the ass, it feels ultimately like a small price to pay for greatness. It is. Yeah. And that's why you're not going to eliminate the stress. But if you're beating yourself up about your decisions mm. constantly, is that useful it is not and useful. necessary? And that's what I mean by harmony and peace. Yep. I don't mean, like, again, I don't think stress is going to leave my life. And the bigger it becomes, the more responsibilities, the bigger the weight. Truly, more money, and I don't more know, problems. I know, and I don't, know if you, you. I don't know if you've watched the documentary yet, The Weight of Gold. No. Watch it in the next month. Like Olympic gold? Olympic gold. Mm. And this is why... When I was studying this, the fear of failure and success and judgment were the three causes, the three things that cause us to doubt ourselves the most. And the root of that is I'm not enough of each one of those. The fear of success, I never understood. But it wasn't until I watched this documentary where it made more sense. Hmm. A lot of them, not a lot, but there's a handful of Olympic medalists, specifically gold medalists, who've committed suicide within a year afterwards, who go what? overdose, uh, who go extreme depression. Okay, I still don't understand the fear of success. So what is exactly? It? I never understood that either because I always wanted it. But I wanted it from a wound so it still wasn't enough. Yeah. So the fear of success is the responsibility and the weight of the pressure of needing to live up to this expectation of now I need to repeat this success and what if I fail? Then I'm going to be judged and no one's going to love me. It's the crabs in a bucket mentality, you know, analogy. Have you heard this? But, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. All, now people want something from me. Is mm -hmm. it authentic? But were they afraid of that before it happened or are they afraid of They're, failing now that it has happened? It's also a loss of identity. It's like, okay, now this has happened. Now my Olympics are over. Yeah. It's like, now I'm not going to, who am I now if I can't go pursue this thing again? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be known as the guy, but now what? Right. It's not having another meaningful mission as well afterwards or being able to handle the pressure of the success. Mm. It's a combination of a lot of things for people. But I think um, it's an interesting documentary, Weight of Gold, uh, to understand the psychology of success for athletes. That's why you see a lot of, uh, you know, just because you're great at uh, successful at one thing doesn't mean it's going to translate to the other thing. This is the stat from the NFL years ago, uh, or it was in a, some magazine, about 78% of NFL players go bankrupt four years after they retire. So just because they were successful as an athlete doesn't mean it's going to translate mm. into the psychology of ma managing all this money that you and fame that you have now. So learning how to manage life accordingly, it can be stressful. Again, more money, more problems. You know, I, I know the situation of what's happening in LA right now with mansion taxes and all these things and 
you know, you have a nice home, but the idea of selling it, it's like you could lose money right yeah. now. It's like all these things is stressful if we don't know how to manage it properly. And it doesn't mean the stress is going to go away. Um, but that's my thoughts on success. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. If you strive to perform your best in life, bringing your energy and abilities into everything you do, then it only makes sense that you would want to be out on the road with that same power, agility, and performance that everyone expects from you. And there's no better option than the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable SUV yet, the third-generation Range Rover Sport. You guys know I love staying on the cutting edge with technology, and the Range Rover Sport's cabin features advanced technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, a must, offering you and your family and friends new levels of comfort and refinement while traveling. The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right. Talk to me about relationships. You went into saying Spanish. You want to be able to speak it to your kids. So I assume we're marrying a Latina. Like, well, I'm in a relationship with Martha, and that's that's where it's heading. Yes. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. Have you guys talked about? Are we throwing around the M word? Oh yeah. She well, she knew. I mean, she knew. She asked me early on, like, "Hey, I don't want to get. I don't want to just date you mm-hmm. unless there's going to be a marriage in our future." So. Yeah, I'm not planning to be in this relationship without that eventually happening. Okay. Yeah. And kids are in the picture? Yeah. How do you think that'll change things for you? It's funny. I was just talking to Lisa about this. I think it will cause me to become something greater than what I am right now. Um, I think it'll... It'll cause me to either become or hopefully not fall back, but the goal would be to become greater than who I currently am. Mm. It'll cause me to learn new lessons and skills that I don't know yet. And it'll cause me to learn how to be more effective in every area of my life, manage my time, optimize my business, master my health and my relationships. That's what I believe it will, it will do for me because it will give me a different sense of meaning added to my meaningful mission. It'll give me a different sense of urgency to make sure I'm living up to the potential I want to be to show a great model for my kid, mm-hmm. kids. And it will give me a different level of discipline that I probably don't have right now. And so I think it's going to elevate me into a, a better human being. Now, it doesn't mean there might be stressful moments and challenges and adversity, but I feel like that's what's going to get me to the edge and then be able to break through and expand in bigger ways. I, I truly think my impact will expand exponentially when I have a kid mm. in the world. Like my mission will come faster when that happens. It won't hold me back, which used to be my fear. It's going to push me forward. That's what I believe. Well, thank you in advance for your service. Yeah. I think that more amazing people need to have kids. And as somebody who chose not to... I think it's very amazing that there are incredible people that do plan to have kids or already have kids. Um, if you think about your 24-hour day, you're filling them now. What will you take time from to give mm. to your kids? Oh, man. 
I think I'll just be better at empowering others to do more things as opposed to me doing all those things that I feel like I need to do. In work or nanny? Everything. Or? Everything that possible. Everything that doesn't support. My three main priorities are this. My health first. That means emotional, spiritual, physical, mental health. And making sure that I take time for my health on a consistent basis. Mm. My second priority in my life is my mission. Now, maybe that changes in the future, but my meaningful mission is priority number two. And I need the health and energy to be able to serve the mission. So if I don't have the health, my mission's going to fail, and I'm going to be suffering. So I don't want to suffer. So those two need to be my priority. So I went into the relationship communicating this, and no woman wants to hear they're the third priority ever from any man. But she, Martha actually said, I love this. Because I said, then the third will be my relationship with you. Um, and she said, I love it. And I go, really? You sure you don't want to stop dating me? You know, because every other girl I've said this to has kind of run away. Right. And she said, no, I love it because why would I want an unhealthy man? Why would I want a partner who's sick and not taking care of their health and making that their main priority so they have more energy for me? Mm-hmm. Why would I want a man who has no purpose, wandering, confused, stuck? I've never had a man with a purpose, so that's why that inspires me. And so she was aligned with my priorities. Health first, mission second, relationship third. And I also told her to give context. If you support health and mission for me at the highest level, you're going to feel like the number one priority because I'm going to be so present, giving, attentive, appreciative, all of it, all the time with you when I'm with you. And you can ask her and she'll say that she feels like the number one priority in my life. Mm. And that'll continue to be the mission to set my life. Now, I feel blessed that I'm at an age of having kids where I could hopefully navigate with support, a support system. You know, in the, in the Latin culture in general, they don't do things on their own. They don't parent on their own. They have communities. They have grandparents and family and support, and they all support each other while parents work. So for me, I'm not intending to do parenthood on my own and have her be a parent on her own. I'm intending for us to include our families, to hire support, babysitters, whatever it might be, to support us, to take care of our health, our mission, our families. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm intending to do. Now, let me ask, what does your priority list look like when you have kids? Is number one still health? Does number one become kids? No. Still where, saying three the and then kids are four. Really? Yeah. You put your mission above your kids? It's not above. It's oh, making, yes, it is, Lewis. It's making we sure that... We're rank ordering these Well, we things. can rank them, but again, if I don't have a mission, yep. I'm not going to be good for my kids. So whatever, I'd rather be a bad father because I'm around all the time, but I'm stressed out and not feeling good about mm-hmm. myself. Would I rather be the most present, fun, energized father that is there and excited when I'm there? Let's make this concrete. Yes. So Elon Musk, mm-hmm. amazing. I am left in awe of what he's accomplished. It's unbelievable. When, and I don't know him. When people ask me if I think he's a great father, my answer is no fucking way. Right. Because you cannot sleep in your factory for three years and do all the things he does. Seven, eight kids. Yep. Be present for them all. It's math. Mm-hmm. So there's only so many hours in the day. Now, that doesn't mean he shouldn't have kids. Right. Yeah. Literally no judgment. Yeah. But 
I think he has made a compromise, and certainly I think he has prioritized his business 100%. over his kids. Yeah. And if I'm honest, I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. Uh, You're not choosing to have them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm certainly not throwing shade at him. Right. So my question is, given that time is finite, and that it's inevitable that those things will collide, and that I think people are wise to come up with rules of engagement before that happens. I'm not talking the kid is sick. Of course, you can drop whatever you're doing. But I'm just saying like, you have a huge opportunity for the school of greatness, but it means you're going to miss a recital. What Mm. do you do? Um, The goal would be to create a win-win in every scenario. So that would be the intention. Yep. Um, In this moment, it's one or the other. It's all contextual. So if it's, Every week I'm missing something yep. constantly, that wouldn't work for So me. give it to me as a principle. 80% of the school recitals I will go to no matter what. Yeah. It'd be 80 some, is the it'd number? Be, it'd be, I mean, I haven't decided yet of what it's going to be, but it would be my goal is to be there as frequently as possible. Mm. And knowing that when I'm not there, it's because I have something really important as well that I need to take care of for, for my mission. Mm. So it's creating a win-win environment in both. That's what I'd want to set up. And that's why I'm glad, because I don't think I would have been able to do that if I had kids at 20, 25, 30. Just because you were so ambitious, you would not have passed up any opportunity. You would have resented them. Yeah, I think I would have resented one or the other, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't have the resources to be able to create win-win scenarios. So I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't do that in my 20s or 30s because... I just know how driven and ambitious I am. And I think I would have resented myself or my kids or my wife or whatever. And so I'm glad I didn't experience that. I experienced other suffering from relationships, but I didn't experience that. Um, but that would be the intention to be there. And I'm sure the older they got, I'd want to be there more and more frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, in 20 years, I'll be 60, 25 years, 65. It's like, I think I would have hopefully more flexible time to be able to work things around. And keep expanding the thing that I want for my mission while having an hour to go to a recital or a game. It was really meaningful when my dad would show up to games. He would drive seven hours to my boarding school for just a basketball game, then drive home. And he did that almost every week. And he had a busy business that he was running. But he made the time. But it was later in his life when he had more flexibility and had more resources where he could do that. So I feel like that's what I would be able to do as I get older. Mm. You brought up your dad. Let me ask you, what was harder, the accident, the brain trauma, or when he passed away, but like 17 <sighs> years later? Yeah. Uh, the hardest part was when he got in his accident because it was, again, he was he had a big transformation when I hit 13, where, if I'm honest, the first 13 years of my life, he was probably more narcissistic, angry, passive aggressive energy Mm. and then when i hit 13 i left home i begged my parents to send me away it was miserable at home so i begged them to send me away you know i was a bad kid but i didn't get sent away because i was a bad kid um they didn't want me to leave i begged them for a whole summer every day please send me away i just didn't feel safe i didn't did they know that's why you were asking no but internally i didn't feel safe at home um they just didn't love each other and so it didn't feel comfortable. Mm. And there were arguments and fights frequently, right? They loved us, but they didn't love each other. Yeah. And that made it feel unsafe. 
And then my older siblings were off to college and I was there by myself and I just didn't want to be in the energy. So when that happened, when I was 13, he started to transform. He started doing a lot of inner work on himself. He started to heal, mend, and it was almost like he became a different personality. He, he was less reactive. He was all love. He was supportive. He was joyful. Um, and he showed up. He like made the time to show up and show he cared. So it was a beautiful seven, eight year run of him transforming from where I almost feared him to where I was like, man, we're really getting close in other ways. So when the accident happened, it was really challenging. There was a lot of other stuff that happened. It was, it was just kind of like devastating, not only because my dad was alive, but he wasn't able to speak for a year. And then after that, he, he just wasn't the same. You know, his personality wasn't there. And he didn't care. He didn't have a purpose. He sat around and watched movies all day for 17 years. He didn't want to move. He didn't want to eat well. He didn't want to care about his kids. And that was really hard because I knew who he was did care. But the brain trauma just caused the chemistry to make him just be like, I don't want to do anything. And when we'd go and visit him, he would just get tired after an hour and say, you guys can go. And so that was hard because I knew that's not who he is. So I had to, I suffered for years hoping for a different expectation that wasn't happening. And I had to learn after about four or five years to accept this is who he is. And he may never change back to the person he was. Did you mourn that? I didn't fully mourn it. I started to accept it. But it was just so sad seeing him every time. And we also dealt with some other, his girlfriend at the time, who he eventually married even though he wasn't after the accident even though he wasn't really legally allowed to marry because he wasn't able to communicate for himself a whole bunch of stuff went down where i don't want to say too much because i want to catch my words here but she just made it extremely uncomfortable and hard for us to even just see our dad Mm. she kind of took over power of attorney then she got married which he didn't want to get married and he told us beforehand but they were like life partners now so she took him to the court and influenced the marriage to happen. She took all of our, he had life insurance policies on all of us. She took all that money out, bought homes for her kids, Whoa. took all the money, which I don't need the money or anything like that, but just like things from the house that I grew up in, yeah. you know, we didn't have access to any of that. I couldn't even go to the home I grew up in anymore. So it was just kind of like all of it was devastating and sad. And I had to kind of figure out life in my 20s and in my 30s with my dad alive, but not being able to be there emotionally and mentally and having to accept it. So when he passed a year ago, it's like I finally was able to grieve. Like I felt a lot more peace. Again, extreme sadness because 17 years of who I believe to be a great man that wasn't able to fulfill his potential. And that makes it really sad for me. Because when he went through that accident, I just realized, man, it could just be gone like this. He was on a vacation. He was having fun. He got in a car accident. And that's why I live with a sense of urgency of wanting to fulfill my meaningful mission as quickly as possible and get there. But I also just know that I could be gone tomorrow. And I don't want to suffer internally anymore like I did for so long. With regrets or this or shame, I was just like, I'd rather be in harmony with who I am, in alignment of who I am, 
and, and go after all of it that I want at this season, you know, and do my best. And so it's, it was just kind of on, it was really sad. 17 years of, he could have done a lot and he wasn't able to do it. And it was even worse that he was around but didn't have the mental capacity to like go beyond. And so that was, it was really sad. How do you think about that? Do you believe in a soul? Yeah. So how, this is the place I always disconnect with people that believe in the soul is what's happening when in your worldview, when there's been damage to the body, the brain, the person that you knew is gone is the soul gone? No, I think the body just, you know, in the three-dimensional world, the body just failed. And so he wasn't able to use the, the biochemistry that we have, mm-hmm. the, the biology that we have in this dimension to be able to function the way he once was. But his, you know, his vitals and his heartbeat and everything was going. I mean, he could walk a little bit. He could have a conversation, but he didn't have the memory. So every time I'd see him for 17 years, say, hey, dad, how's it going? Lewis, right? Whoa. So it was Alzheimer's like. It was, yeah, he had amnesia. He, he had like, he, he could remember short term, but not long term. He couldn't remember the past before mm. the accident. So he'd be like. He could or could not. He could not remember before Whoa. the accident. Oh, so he only Very, knew you post accident? He, there was like moments where he had some memories. Like if I showed him Jesus. a photo of something, be like, Here's a photo you took. Here's a photo of me and you mm. in my college. Here's a photo of you and me in basketball games. You remember this? Do would he be fascinated book? by it or would he be like he would? He would be like, he, no, sometimes he would remember like, oh, yeah. Where, where did you go to school again? This was 17 years every time I'd see him. Wow. Where did you go to school again? I went to this school, Dad. Oh, that's right. You played uh, football, right? Yeah, I played football. Wow. But he was at every game. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of like hard Jesus. to see someone that you care about, mm. that I idolize in a lot of ways, go through a brain trauma that changed his life forever and then now, changed everyone around him forever. Do you imagine him now in heaven, normal? Uh, yeah, I imagine his his soul and his spirit um, where it needs to be, yeah. Where it needs to be, Yeah. what does that mean? Uh, not in this three-dimensional world. You know, we're in a three-dimensional world and I believe we came from somewhere else. We were created from somewhere else and we will go somewhere else. And it just won't be a physical body. It'll be our soul, our spirit mm. in a different dimension. So we're 3D right now. It'll go to a, a 5D or another dimension where there is a consciousness and a love at a different level. I don't know what that looks like. I can't even explain it or imagine it, but that's what... Is that anchored in a traditional faith for you or is this just something that I think you it, piece together i think it was in traditional faith that i went away from and i've come back to based mm. on science and based on metaphysics and based on quantum physics and based on energies of just like okay there's a frequency of love and light and when we get closer to that frequency as opposed to a uh a lower frequency of matter when we get closer to the energy of love and light it unlocks abundance it unlocks freedom it unlocks joy and so i believe that's where we came from we came from that light that pure love that frequency of energy that's where it stems from and i believe that's where we'll go back to and when you think of a soul or a spirit is it 
human-like in its, it's an energy. Okay, yeah, so we is it like from stardust back to stardust? It just feel it feels like a a feeling, an energy. It's not like a a tangible thing that I could see. Or, so it's not like we're reunited with people that we know and we reminisce about the old. Days. I don't know. I can't even fathom what it is because I don't know. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's an energy space where we are back into that energy of light and love. And I don't know if you, I have no idea if this is in physical form or spiritual form or just energy form. I have no idea. But I feel like there is a light that we came from, a love that we came from, an energy that was created, the whole universe, an energy that brought our parents together, that created us. Mm. And there will be an energy we go to when the physical is gone. Would life be more or less interesting to you if at death we literally from stardust to stardust, right? That it just, you're broken back into constituent parts and there's no sort of continuing consciousness. Would it be more interesting if that happened? More or less. I think life is interesting either way. I think it's interesting whether I get to, you know, theoretically see people I care about after Mm -hmm. I die or whether there's nothingness. If, the, if this is it and the blanket's gone and the lights are out forever, I think it, either way, it makes it interesting for me and it makes it urgent. Again, I can create the meaning of why I'm here, but at the end of the day, I may not know why. I mean, when we're, the lights are out and we're done from this physical world, there may be another space and time that says, oh, you had this meaning, but that wasn't the true meaning. You made it the meaning and that worked for you then, but here was the actual meaning. Maybe that happens, maybe not. Would you so, prefer that? It's for me. It's irrelevant. You know, whatever. It's what's most useful to me. Let me go back to your word. <laughs> but now, you mean what the like? If you knew, so mm-hmm. there was a movie called Defending Your Life. You ever see it? No. Actually, really funny. Uh, and one, I think. Well, I don't believe that there is anything after this. I think it is Stardust to Stardust, yeah. but. I think it would be way cooler if there really was like yeah. another place that you went to. I mean, it's just the th- nothingness is is not terrifying to me. I know some people are scared yes. of it. It doesn't scare me. Literally, the only thing I'm afraid of is a painful death. That does not strike me as ideal. But when you're dead, you won't uh, feel it anyways. Yes, but you will go through the dying. And so but that's you'll never remember it because it's gone. Very true. Stardust. And so being dead does not scare me. Um, I don't have some fear of the void. I'm no more afraid yeah. of what happens after this than I am shrieking in terror of where I was before this. Uh, but it would be more interesting to me. Like yeah. I would love if there was something on the other side of this, that would be really cool. Be beautiful. Uh, I would love to die and then be like, all right, let me just tell you what it was all about. Like, but here's that the would thing. Be utterly Isn't it interesting to think that if you did have to live with yourself after this, and whole, and all this thing was about, did you express as much love and joy in the world as possible and uncover who you were meant to be for you? And if so, you'd have a lot more peace in eternity. Then that's a driving force too. If that was part of it, we yeah, don't know. It, if, if we knew that would be certainly would play a big game right now, or it would impact the game significantly. Right now I am optimizing for just. I I have a mode of feeling now and I optimize for that. But hearing you talk and the fact that you mentioned psychedelics earlier, have you done psychedelics? Never. Interesting. I have zero desire at this point. 
I have massive desire. Why do you have zero desire? I have zero desire because I've seen so many cases of people who have done psychedelics who have messed them up for the rest of their life. Mm, that is psychic and, break. And it messed their brains up and they became they suffered more afterwards. The ayahuascas, the mushrooms, all these things. Really? I've seen cases on people posting about this online now because there's this big boom of talking yeah, about how this yeah. is healthcare, this is the world, this is the future mm. of healing. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying that maybe there's, for some people it is. Maybe it can heal everyone just by taking an external drug and shifting your inner biology and chemistry. But I believe the body has the smartest pharmacy of all. I believe we heal ourselves naturally. You get cut, there's a wound, you heal. The body learns how to build bone over itself when it's broken. It learns how to mend. Yes, medicine and doctors help provide healing and comfort and medicines to accelerate these things, but the body's uh, pharmacy is the most powerful pharmacy in my mind. Mm. The way you think can directly impact how you feel. Where's that coming from? That's not a medicine. That's not an outside source putting inside. This is an internal thinking that can heal your body. It's a placebo if you want to even call it that, right? The way you think can make a sickness go away, a pain go away if you think it away. This happens all the time for people. I've done this many times myself. I've, I've How far them. do you think that goes? So I know if I'm I think it goes very right far. Now, here's, the th- here's the thing. My whole the religion I grew up in called Christian Science. My my grandfather, who was big into the the practice of Christian Science, which is all about healing yourself and healing the sick. That is the whole premise of the religion. Mm. How to use your mind to healing heal. them through your mind or getting them to heal themselves with their both. Mind? How to heal others through the truth of what we are, which we are spiritual beings in a physical world. Can you define spiritual? We're an idea. We're a thought. Uh And so how can an idea or a thought be physically harmed? We're living in a material. We have thoughts. Yes. That I understand. But you're you're saying we are a thought? We're an idea. In the way, like in information theory, simulation, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I just think that we are, you know, in, in the way that it was taught to me was that we are spiritual beings in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. As reality, beings. not metaphor, yes. literal. Yes, we are spiritual beings in the, the image and likeness of God, perfect spiritual beings. And as a spiritual being, we are not material. We're spiritual now, here's the thing. We're, we are we're, also immaterial, or even this body is immaterial? Well, here's the, the game you got to play in your mind. Because when I grew up, I was like, what do you mean? But I feel this, this mm. feels matter, this hurts. I have these desires, these urges, the sexualness about me. What do you mean? But the more we can focus on spiritual identity over material, mortal man, the less pain and suffering we have when we focus on being spiritual beings, when we focus on that image of likeness of spiritual truth with a capital T, life with a capital L, love with a capital love, uh, uh, L with a capital love. And the goal is to remember the truth as frequently as possible that we are spiritual beings, that we are- Is that a reminder to not be pulled around by your biology? You could say that, yeah. Is there a better way to say it? No, I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Okay. So you have these urges, but know that they're yes. So my my grandfather used to tell me this. 
because there's some extreme Christian scientists, and this is different than Scientology, just to make it clear. Um, extreme Christian scientists that are so focused on being a spiritual being, but sometimes miss the mark and there are physical consequences, right? They get sick, they go through, you know, pain, the disease, and they don't treat the, the disease. Mm. We've been trained to treat the broken thought first. The broken thought is typically out of alignment. And when we get the thinking back in alignment, the physical body should follow form. Now, sometimes that always, doesn't always work. But can I ask a really pointed question just yes. to see how the philosophy treats yes. this? Yes. So if I feed you a lot of sugar, highly processed foods, you're going to get sick. In Christian science, can you eat all of that food but think the right thoughts and not have the negative physical outcome? You can't go against making conscious choices and healthy choices. My grandfather used to say Christian science stands for common sense. Like if something is wrong, you break an arm, go to the hospital and get it set. Mm. Uh, you know, but a lot of people try to heal first the thinking before doing the physical act. And a lot of times they have healings and they heal sickness, disease, ailments from prayer, thought, belief first. And the body follows. Do you think that that happens through a mechanism uh, that's at the cellular level? Or is there something that is like God-like in that it recognizes your intent and fixes the thing? I don't want to use the word yeah, magic. I mean, I, mean, I mean, there's even if we're studying with modern science, and you hear this a lot with people, you hear some people have lived 100 years old. And they smoked and they drank all wine every night and they mm -hmm. smoked cigarettes and they ate poor food, but they lived to 100. And you're like, how is that even possible? But they had a beautiful community. They had love in their hearts. They, they had a purpose. They had a mission. They were engaged in their... Does that manifest at the cellular level, though? Or is this a spiritual thing? It's all spiritual. But I mean, even, in, like even Joe Dispenza says this in his science and his research, that you can be... Uh, gluten-free or gluten-full. You can eat cheese and meat. You can be vegan. But if we focus on the energy, the higher energy of love, the frequency of love, then we can overcome a lot materially. But if we're focusing we on the matter... Are we overcoming it, though? Or so well, We I mean, do look, live in this three-dimensional space. Yes. So there are some science and physics here. But there are a lot of things that have happened to people that they can't explain. Mm -hmm. A lot of healings that they can't explain. A lot of miracles that can't be explained so where are those coming from and when we can't explain it there must be another layer to it or level to it so it's not like i have all this figured out a hundred percent it's still a practice of remembering the truth that i am a spiritual being you are a spiritual being seeing you in a perfect image and likeness of love of pure light of pure energy and if I put my energy and attention on you being a perfect image of love, and I focus that energy, that creates a different frequency within my body, a different energy within my heart. It opens my heart up more, as opposed to thinking Tom is the worst human being in the world. He's mean, he's nasty in this. It closes off my heart. Do you know loving kindness meditation? 
Maybe. I'm not sure if it's... Literally sounds like what you're describing. So you close your eyes, you sit in a meditative posture, you imagine love for yourself, then love for people you know, and then you just keep expanding, expanding, expanding. Yeah. Do you think it's the same kind of thing or are these two totally different things? I think it's similar. Yeah. I think it's very similar. It's, again, the religion I grew up in just gave me a a set of principles and practices to step into that frequency Mm. more often. But I had wounds and pain that I was confused by that was hard for me to overcome. So I was kind of living in both worlds, material world, spiritual world, love, hate, until I got to a place of mending those wounds, until I got to a place of facing the past pains that was causing me the current pain and creating new meaning around it. And so that's why, for me, it's more about harmony and alignment with your thinking and your actions but also finding peace from the past actions or things that people did to you and finding acceptance and peace so you can get back into alignment and harmony with your thinking today as opposed to being stressed and anxious from what happened in the past. Mm. So it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, modern science and stuff like what Dr. Joe Dispenza is teaching now, every time I interview him, I'm like, you sound like a Christian scientist, but you have the data and the science that backs it now which is interesting because the religion started in the 1800s by a woman who was, you know, one of the women of the century who created this. She learned to heal herself and many people and it spread to millions of members around the world in the 1800s before social media and the the spreading of this. Mm. And so I learned these principles. It was Christian science, the science of how Jesus did the things he did. What is the science behind healing? And so now we have a lot more tools to study like, when people heal. That's what Dr. Joe Spence is doing. Have you been to his workshop yet? It's I have fascinating. not. Fascinating to see people heal in real time in seven days through meditation. And you're not going to believe it. I have real problems. You're with not going to believe it. Real problems. But it's amazing to see the, the, the biology heal within seven days when you change the thinking uh, so and you, the feeling. So you think that that, so... When you change thinking and feeling uh-huh. consistently... I believe it shifts your biology. I agree with that. I think that getting your thoughts in the right place is hugely important. And if I were diagnosed with cancer, let me tell you, I would be... Go do or don't do? You would do chemo. I would do all of it. Everything, 100%. So would I. So would I. Um, And it's not about not using modern medicine. It's about being wise and smart and doing what you need to do. Again, I'm do trying try to find every tool possible to, to heal myself or to overcome pain. I would use every tool imaginable. Mm. I would eat perfectly. I would think the right way. I would do the modern mm. medicine. I would do all of it. I have a feeling, and this is a guess, and I fully recognize there are things I just don't understand. But I have a guess that your thoughts really matter. They have a huge impact on your biology. But at the end of the day, this is just a cellular game and that your mm-hmm. thoughts are affecting your biology. 100%. And thusly, one needs to be thoughtful about that. Yes. My take. Could you make, do you think you can make yourself sick with your thoughts? That is clear. So do you think you could heal yourself with your thoughts? If you no, can make yourself but I sick? think you can undo the things you can think your way into. I you can probably stop creating, you almost certainly can stop creating more problems through the thoughts. But the reality is- You could like, reverse the, the sickness. You probably could reverse some of it, but the reality of the way the, um, 
Like take a cancer cell, for instance. So, in fact, maybe an even easier one. If you think about the microbiome, the microbiome is very treatable through diet and things like that Mm -hmm. until you start getting biofilms. And the microbiome can actually protect itself with by creating like this slime that will stop things from being able to penetrate it. So there really is a a sort of point of no return where it's like, hey, maybe like your stress because levels of stress are going as far as I know, the literature backs up that stress levels will impact cancer. And so that is you getting into a state that's creating a problem with your biology. But the biology then can get, and I'm guessing here, I don't know the data well enough, Mm -hmm. but my gut instinct is that given what I know about how mechanisms can become runaway mechanisms, that they're- Hard to reverse. Yeah, that there there comes a point where you're just not going to think your way out of it. I agree with that after a certain point, for sure. That might be too hard to- the body might have gone too far and it might be harder to get back. And that even if you are sort of thinking your way to a root of it that's still solvable, that you're doing it through biology. Mm-hmm. And so yes. if one was, it's it's a bit like um, if you said, hey, you have to put on 35 pounds of muscle because you're going to start filming a movie in six weeks. It's not going to happen. I would like steroids, please. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So even though... I can really work out. And no matter what, if I take the drugs or not, I'm going to have to work my ass off. Mm-hmm. But the odds of me getting there without yeah. the intervention are 100%. basically zero. We're in a three-dimensional a world. biology game, yeah. We're in a three-dimensional world, but I feel like our thoughts can influence this world in a big way. That you and I can agree on violently. And I have witnessed for myself and other people uh, physical healings. Call it thinking. Call it prayer. Call it meditation. Call it believing that you are able to heal yourself through a practice and ritual of that thinking and feeling that you are healing. If you want to hear a crazy story of myself, um, when I was playing college football my freshman year in Minnesota, I don't know if I was like just walking around barefoot too much in the locker room or what, but I got these really bad like black planter warts like deep in my feet, Mm. black deep i mean it's like they were all over the bottom of my foot feet both of them it hurt to walk on cleats because the cleats were like pushing up Mm -hmm. in it so every step was just like it was like a little needle sticking in my foot all over horrendous painful the trainers try to scalpel them out and it's so painful because they're so deep Mm -hmm. deep and i got I, i couldn't do it after a couple there was i don't know dozens on every foot a lot it was covered disgusting looking and they couldn't get them out. They were too deep. They're like, you're going to have to go to the doctor and like numb this and do the whole thing. And I go, I got to play football. I can't like take time off. So this might sound weird, but uh, my sister Heidi, um, I went to visit her during one of these weekends. And I was talking about how the pain, oh, so much pain I was feeling. The physical, these warts on the bottom of my feet. And she put me through a, a, a guided visualization in a prayer practice (laughs) it's gonna sound weird but within about a week they were all gone and i didn't scalpel anything i didn't pick at them i didn't do anything else except for (laughs) it's gonna sound weird but remember that i was a spiritual being essentially that i'm a spiritual being that my body cannot be harmed and i have the power to heal this Mm -hmm. again i know it doesn't sound 
logical? It or? doesn't sound logical, but I'm okay with that. And I'd yeah. be very curious to see if there's any data on it. But yeah. why can't you... We said earlier that death is undefeated. Mm-hmm. If you can clear the mm-hmm. the things on the bottom of your feet, why is death undefeated? Maybe we're not supposed to be around. Maybe this is just an experience of life, but life continues after death. I want you to be right, man. I want to be. I, I want to be able to think my so. way out of any problem. I don't Nothing know. would make me happier. I don't know, man. I remain a skeptic, but I appreciate. But at the time it. being, if we can, and for me. I try to put myself through as much pain and discomfort as possible so that I don't feel other pain coming at me. So I try to work as, out as hard as I can. I, I go and do the uncomfortable conversations as fast as I can. I do the things that are uncomfortable as quickly as I can so that it doesn't pile up and cause more pain and stress later. Mm-hmm. So this is not about like eliminating pain or being peaceful nonstop without experiencing these types of pains. But by doing that, I'm making myself stronger to handle other things that could cause worse pain. That's what I'm trying to do. And whatever I can do to create more harmony in this lifetime, you know, before I die, I'm going to try to do it. I love it, man. Where can people follow you? (laughs) Uh, You can find uh, The Greatest Mindset. Online, anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, bookstores. You can go to School of Greatness Podcast or Lewis Howes anywhere on social media or greatness.com. I love it. Guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace. I'm in. <laughs> I went everywhere. That was awesome. <laughs>